0: One of our greatest joys as a church is to plant churches. Uh, Three and a half years ago, this thing started, and we felt like we heard from heaven multiply disciples in churches. And uh, God has been so good to answer that prayer over the last couple of years. Uh, First, by the grace of God, um, City Light Benson was planted, and then City Light Council Bluffs, and then City Light Lincoln, and uh, next bullet out of the gun is City Light Exarbin. We're excited for those guys. But a neat thing has happened is there's now, you know, Soon to be five city light churches, each one did you know that is its own church. They have their own elders, their own you know um, budget and preaching team and pastors organizationally we 're not connected with them at all other than being a sister church in the denomination and yet relationally, the pastors get together once a month, the staff teams get together once a month, and uh, God has just created this amazing family of churches where we feel so knit in and united, um, just laboring for the same cause in different contexts and so Eric Wiggum is one of the lead pastors at City Light Council Bluffs, him with Pastor Dougie. Yes, give them some love. And um, he's got a fantastic beard, four amazing kids, an awesome wife. And this guy is the real deal. I listen to his podcasts, and I think, why didn't we keep him here? You know, but that's what I think with everyone. This guy can preach, and he's the real deal. So I invited him. Hey, what if we had a city light council bluffs pastor come and share the word of God? And he said, "I would love to." And so we're in for a treat. Uh, Eric agreed to preach the word of God this morning. And so, would you welcome up, Pastor Eric?
1: Good. Okay, we're not as technologically advanced in Council Bluffs as you guys are over here. Uh, Well, thank you. When they asked me to come preach, I said I'd love to, but I thought, oh man, there's a lot more people there than there are in Council Bluffs. Uh, So I prayed about it, and God said, uh, go do it anyway. And so I'm here today, and I'm really excited about it. Honestly, I'm honored to be a part of this church family and to get to talk to you guys today. And part of the reason I'm honored to be here is because you supported a church plant in a place that not many people support right? Council Bluffs is kind of forgotten. They're made fun of. Um, It's a part of the city that people um, on this side of the river, uh, most of them would be okay if Council Bluffs wasn't part of the metro, right? Um, But you guys didn't uh, embrace that uh, attitude. Instead, you said, no, people there need Jesus too. And so you sent us and you supported us and you've loved us and it's meant the world to us. And so just for some numbers so that you know, I thought I'd give you a little update on how we're doing over there. Um, We went live August 14th, right after the baptism service at Stinson Park. Um, Since then, we've seen at least three lost people be found by Jesus and get saved. Uh, We've yeah, we've seen six people get baptized, 15 babies get dedicated. We went to two services after two weeks of being open. We have eight city groups. We just started a youth group, and we're starting a city group at Iowa Western tomorrow night. So there's a lot going on. Yes, uh, this for God. He's done all this, and we've. felt nothing but support and love from you guys. So a sincere thank you. We love you guys. And when I say I'm honored to be here, I really mean it. So... um All of that uh, aside, I get to bring to you uh, the Word of God from Exodus uh, in the series that you guys have been a part of. And we've seen in Exodus God speak through a burning bush. We've seen plagues, uh, a nation who wasn't a nation. They were hidden in a nation. God took them through the Exodus and made them a nation. Then he parted the sea, and they walked across, and the water uh, came back over their enemies and drowned them. It's been a crazy Book And now we get to pick up today with Israel on the other side of the Red Sea. And you think today when we get into this text, man, they've got to be riding that spiritual high, right? Like they've had all these experiences where they just know God is with them. They've seen him move and do great things, right? You've been there, you know what this is like. Maybe Gabe or Josh is leading worship and you just feel like, man, the Holy Spirit is here. Like I'm not just singing with the crowd, I'm singing to God and he's there. Or you hear a sermon that uh, when they're preached, you're like, man, the pastor just like knew what I needed to hear and spoke right to me. Or it's a tough day and you're like, God, I just don't even know. And you open your Bible. Bible and whatever you open to, uh, God just has a word for you right there. There are times in life where you just know that you know that God is real and he's with you. Maybe um, you're part of a church that just seems to be planting churches faster than anybody else and they keep growing and we're trying to keep up with God. He's moving and he's real and you think in those times You just want to remember that. You want to store that up so that when times aren't good, you get to look back and remember man, God is real. He is good. He has moved in the past and He will move again. And so we pick up in Exodus 15 and we think, man, that's where Israel ought to be. That's where they should be. But the reality is they're not. Okay. This is not a story of faith and trust and hope in God. This is a story of short-term memory loss and false accusations and what happens when people get hangry. Okay? This is a story of grumbling. And over and over and over, we see the people of Israel grumble. So, this is the pattern, okay? Three times we're gonna see this. People grumble, and God gives. People grumble, God gives. Three times, this is what it's gonna look like. Chapter 15. So, the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Chapter 16. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Chapter 17, but the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Positive, encouraging city light message today. Uh, That's where we're going to be. So let's dive in to Exodus. The story starts just on the other side of the Red Sea. And God is leading the nation of Israel to the promised land, right? The land flowing with milk and honey, and they're following God. And they do that when God appears in a pillar of cloud by day to shade them from the hot desert sun and a pillar of fire by night so that they can see him and where he is going. And for three days, they follow God in the wilderness, in the desert. And after three days of walking, they run out of water, and they're thirsty. In fact, three days they go without water um, in the desert, and on the third day, they come up to a pool uh, where there is water, and you can imagine how excited they'd be. They run up to it and start drinking it and find this is not good water. The water is bitter And it's not just kind of bitter, like, I'm super thirsty, and so I'll drink it even though it's bad. You know, like that club soda or whatever people drink (laughs) in the can that's gross, you know? You're not like, I could drink that even though I don't want to. This is so bitter, it's undrinkable. Three days without water. These people are on the verge of dying of thirst, You could ask the question, will Israel trust God when they're thirsty? You see, they know that God is mighty to save. They know he hears the cries of the oppressed because they were in Egypt under severe oppression. And they cried out to God and he heard But not only did he hear, he moved and he saved them. Earlier in the book of Exodus, uh, Moses in his song said that God is a man of war. He defeated Pharaoh and the greatest army in the world at the time. God is mighty to save. And Israel knew that. But you might ask today, is God mighty to sustain? Is the God that hears the cries of the oppressed able to hear the cries of the thirsty? Can he meet the needs of the nation and meet the needs of a person? Christian, I would ask you today, do you trust that God has saved you to eternal life, but struggle to believe that he cares about your daily life? Okay? Um, Israel has no water. They're thirsty. Will they trust God? Well, I already gave you the answer. We're going to see grumble, 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 right? They don't. This isn't a story of faith. Um, They grumble, and as we look through this story, I want to point out three dangers of grumbling, okay? The first one is grumbling makes us bitter, Okay, they came upon some water, the water was bitter, and we're going to find that that's just a reflection or a picture of the people of Israel. God had proven his power to the people of Israel. He spoke through a burning bush that was not consumed, he sent plagues, he parted the sea, but all that was three whole days ago. It's in the past, right? Right? Now they're thirsty today. I'm thirsty. God, how are you going to provide today? It's hard to remember last week when the problems of today overshadow all of that. I live in the moment, God, not in the past. You've done that before, but will you do it again? They don't trust. They grumble and they say, what are we to drink? Do you ever get there? Do you grumble? I'll ask the question again. Do you believe that God saved you for eternal life, but struggle to believe that he will provide for your daily life? Um, Let me tell you you my story. Um, I come home after a long day's work, and I have some expectations, some hopes, and on the drive home, I start um, imagining what my reception is going to be like. And uh, I picture, I get home, park the car, I walk in the front door, and my beautiful wife greets me with arms spread. Honey, it's so good that you're home. I love you. Hug and kiss. And then my four kids, you know, bounce behind her. Daddy! And four hugs, you know. And then we all hold hands and walk up to the dinner table where there's a hot meal prepared, right? And it's just this peaceful, wonderful, welcome home after a long day's work. Dad's you, you ever hope for that. Well, if you do, you might be like me and find out that when you get home, um, reality's a little different. It's been a long day at home too. And so I get home and open the door and the kids are going nuts. They've made the house a mess. The baby got a short nap. And so he's screaming and I walk in the door. My wife hands him to me and I think, okay, I can take care of this one. And so I get some string cheese, hand it to him, buddy. And he grabs it and in his tantrum, throws it on The floor for the dog to eat, and moments later, throw that up on the carpet because he can't hit the hardwood in the kitchen where it'd be easy to clean up, right? And my wife then comes to me and says, There's puke on the floor, he's screaming, the kids are going nuts. Would you make dinner while I calm the madness? And in that moment, I start to grumble, right? You grumble there, I start thinking, Calm the madness now. Where was that thought an hour ago, right? You knew I was coming home. Make dinner. Do we have groceries for dinner? Is there a plan? or Do I have to come up with all this from scratch? And in my grumbling, I think, I've got a plan. Let's get takeout, send the kids outside, and give the dog away, okay? (laughs) I'm out on this, right? I grumble, and grumbling makes us bitter, Because in that moment, I can see all the things I don't have a lot more clearly than I can see all the things I do have. I go home thirsting for peace and harmony and love. And when I don't get those things, I have a real hard time seeing what I do have. A wife who's made a lot of sacrifices so that she can stay home and take care of our four kids. I have cupboards full of food that when we need to make dinner, I can find food there and make dinner for my family. A God who's provided for me in the past and one who will provide for me again today. When we grumble, we get bitter. You get there? So how does God respond in this grumbling I think we'll see like the entire book of Exodus has put God's character on display. We're gonna see today an element of God's character that in spite of the Israelites' grumbling, he gives. And so the people grumble, what are we to drink? And God hears the cries of the thirsty and he tells Moses, hey, there's a log over there, a tree. Take that and throw it into the pool of water. And when you do that, It will make the bitter water sweet. And so Moses obeys. He picks up the log, throws it in the pool. The bitter water is made sweet. The people drink. They're hydrated, right? And God makes, uh, he provides for their needs, and he makes them a promise. He says, if you seek me, you will find I'm not just powerful to heal bitter water. I'm powerful to heal bitter people. And so he provides for their needs, and he makes them a promise. The people grumble, and God gives, okay? We hope after the first time, Israel's gonna learn something, um, but they don't. They continue. They get hydrated, they, themselves, their kids, their livestock. Everybody drinks of this water-made sweet, the club soda turned to Dr. Pepper, right? <laughs> and they set out again, okay? And you remember the Passover, Um, God said, don't make leavened bread because you'll need time for that to bake. Make unleavened bread because you're gonna leave in haste and you're not gonna have uh, time. And so they scoop up all their food um, in their clothes and on their shoulders and they start walking. Well, now it's been days, maybe a couple weeks and all that food that they had is starting to run out. They don't have any more and they start to get hungry um, you might say they get hangry, right? You miss breakfast. It's a short lunch, or a, a light lunch. Dinner is late because the kids are crazy. And uh, you get hangry. If it's me, might as well be Kanye watching Taylor Swift get the award instead of Beyonce, right? This is not a good situation. Well, the Israelites, they're there. They're hungry and angry. And in that moment, again, they start to grumble. This is what the Bible says. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Right, imagine the conversation. Man, I am so hungry. Dude, I know, remember back in Egypt when we had meat pots and bread yeah, those were the days. Why did God bring us out here into this wilderness? There's nothing out here. Yeah, I'm starving. God must have brought us out here to starve us. Yeah, he wants to kill us. Grumbling is dangerous because what starts as bitterness grows into cynicism. You start assuming the worst about the people around you you remember what life was like for the Israelites in Egypt? They were slaves, forced into hard labor in the hot, arid desert heat of North Africa. They were forced to throw their babies into the Nile River to drown. They were slaves. But now, a couple weeks later, they remember Egypt like it was a five-star, all-inclusive resort. Remember when we sat around and there were meat pots and bread and we ate to the full? That didn't happen. They were slaves. They did not get to relax around the meat pots. They take, they take God's intent for their lives. Right? They cried out as slaves. God heard the cries of the oppressed and delivered them from the oppressor those was killing them. God gave them life, and now they take that character and intent of God and they turn it on its head and say, he doesn't provide for us. He must want to kill us. That's cynicism. You're assuming the worst. Um, how did God respond to this grumbling? This is what he says. Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. God hears the cries of the oppressed, and he hears the cries of the hungry. And he says, Israel, you want meat? You want bread? I can do that. Trust in me. Come to me. I will provide for you. And he does. And this time, it's a little different than the water. Because with the water, Moses threw the log in it. That pool of bitter water became sweet. And then they walked on and the water was left behind. But this time, God says, I'm going to provide in a different way every morning, I will literally rain down bread from heaven. And every evening, I will provide for you meat. He establishes a rhythm of daily provision, okay? And he tells the people, here's how how I'm going to provide. In the morning, I'm going to rain bread from heaven. You can go out and gather it. And when you go gather it, get enough for your household for the day. If you don't get enough, you're going to still be hungry at the end of the night. If you get more than you need and you try to stock it up and hoard it, what's left over will rot and stink and get worms overnight. It doesn't last. Get what you need for the day and trust that the God who provided today will provide tomorrow a rhythm of daily provision. There are echoes of this all throughout scripture. One of them is in the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread, bread." right? Um, Do you believe that the God of Exodus who provided for the people of Israel every day is the same God we serve and he wants to provide for you every day? Do you believe that? I wanna tell you my story. When I was in college, I struggled with what Pastor Doug, who won't say a bad word, called the church kid's drug, right? Most people call it porn, okay? I looked, and I got hooked, and I was ashamed of it. I knew that what I was doing wasn't good for my soul. It was driving a wedge between me and God, It was not preparing me to be the kind of man that would be attractive to a woman who might want to get married to me one day. I knew what I was doing was not good, but I was filled with shame. And that shame prevented me from uh, talking to anybody about it, trying to seek help. And so I had come up with all kinds of plans on how to quit. How to stop I'm going to put software on my computer So somebody else can see But I don't know who I want to tell So that's not going to work I'd say When am I most likely to uh, struggle and fall And I come up with those times And try to not be in my room at that time Or not have access I I'd, I'd made all these plans And despite my best planning I could maybe make it a few days And then I'd, I'd fall back into it And honestly, the more success I had When I failed It was just more defeating so I made it that far, and then I go back? God, what is wrong with me? And I, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't quit. And, and one of my friends, who was a, a bigger man than me, came to me and said, Hey, Eric, um, I got a problem. I'm looking at some stuff that I shouldn't, and I can't stop. Will you help me? And I said, Well, I don't know if I can, but I'm in the same boat. So let's do this together. And we got a couple other guys, and we decided we're going to meet once a week. And we're just gonna encourage each other and pray for each other and ask each other hard questions and plead with God, God, would you set us free from this addiction? And we started doing that. And I remember one, uh, the very first time we met together, one of the other guys, um, he said, listen, if we're gonna pray for each other, we ought to learn from Jesus. And so let's go to the Lord's Prayer. And we read it together and he zeroed in on, give us this day our daily bread. And all together, we had agreed, a week seems impossible, a year seems like an eternity. I don't know, my best plans can't get me a few days. I don't know how we'll ever get that far. If Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, we're gonna pray for that. And so we started praying things like, God, satisfy me with you today. God, change my heart for this day. Day, Oh, Jesus, don't let today be the day that I fail. Would you strengthen me for the day? I'm gonna trust in you today. I don't know about tomorrow or next week. That's all in your hands, but God, would you give me this day my daily bread? And I'm here to tell you, it wasn't a magic pill. It's not like everything went away all at once, but what did happen was one day turned into two. And soon enough, A week turned into a month. And after that, even the temptation began to fade. Let me tell you from experience, God's daily provision is better than any plan you or I can make. Amen? Uh, Do you believe that the God who provided daily for the people of Israel is the same God who wants to provide daily for you. He wants us to go to him every day, trusting that he has what we need for that day. So let me ask you, what are you trusting in? What plans have you made that you think will get you through tomorrow? What are you storing up, hoping that, man, this thing can feed me today, and I'm just going to feed on that for the next week? What do you trust trusting? Um, Pastor Tim Chester was helpful for me on this, so I just want to read a quote to you. He said this, Look not to your version of the jar of manna when you go to bed each night, and tell yourself you have gained what you need. Don't do that. Look instead to the providing God, and tell him that you trust him to give you what you need. Our God is a provider. He is a giver. And he wanted Israel to know, and he wants you to know that he is still that kind of God. We can go to him every day. He hears the cries of the oppressed, and he hears the cries of the hungry. So twice the people have grumbled. What are we to drink? What are we to eat? And they get fed, they get hydrated, they move on. And again, they come to a place with no water, and if you're like me, you're thinking, where are they that there is no water? They keep getting, they're in the desert, all right? There's not an abundance of places that have just springs of water, okay? So they come to another place where there is no water, and even though God's already provided water once, He's already provided food, they say, the people, uh, but the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses, and they said... Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? What started as bitterness grew into cynicism and it finally blossomed into outright defiance. They actually ask God, Is the Lord among us or not? This is crazy. It's crazy that they would ask this because the very day that they ask, is the Lord among us or not? God had provided bread for them that morning from heaven. It rained down and they went and gathered it and ate it. God appeared to them in a pillar of cloud and that cloud was shading them from the desert heat. The night before, God had appeared in a pillar of fire that lit the sky and he provided meat for them to eat. In the last 24 hours, God had done four amazing miracles to prove himself to the people of Israel. And in that time, in response to all of that, they say, is the Lord among us or not? This is defiance. This is looking at the reality of God and saying, I don't believe that's true. I don't believe you're with us. Are you with us or not? Prove it, even though you already have. And God responds. Just like he did the first two times they grumbled, he responds again. And this time he tells Moses, I want you to take all the people, all the leaders of Israel, and you're gonna gather them next to this rock. It was a particular rock, the rock of Horeb. I want you to take all the leaders of Israel, gather them together, and stand them next to the rock. And they're gonna represent the people. And then I myself am gonna stand on the rock. And so you have what appears to be a sort of courtroom setup. You have the plaintiff's Israel on one side casting accusations. God, you brought us out here to starve us and make us die of thirst. You said you were leading us to a land flowing with milk and honey. We don't have any of that. You must be a liar. You don't want to give us life. You want to take our lives God, we don't know if you're even among us or not. Accusations from the plaintiff. And God stands on the rock, one accused, and hears all of it. He doesn't silence them, he just takes it. And so the courtroom is set, and then God tells Moses to stand in between. And he says, Pick up the staff that you used to strike the Nile. You remember the staff? When he struck the Nile, the water turned into blood. This was a judgment on the people of Egypt. You don't believe in God. God's going to prove his power to you. He will judge you by turning your God into blood. Literally almost killing their God. It was judgment. And that staff of judgment would strike judgment again in this case. This is a big trial, right? This is bigger than OJ's trial. This is bigger than Michael Jackson's trial. This is a trial for the ages. What will God do to this grumbling people? Will he continue to provide the way that he has always provided? How will God respond to their grumbling? And so the stage is set. Moses has a staff in hand, and he waits for the judge to announce the verdict. And God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, strike the rock. Moses, Strike the rock, strike me, strike where I stand. The guilt, the innocent one takes on the guilt of the guilty. God strikes himself. And as soon as that staff of judgment strikes the rock, not only does God provide a substitute for the guilt of the guilty, he provides an answer to their demands and water flows from the rock to the guilty the accusers who demanded it. God provides both a substitute and a blessing. Our God is a God who gives. Even when we grumble, he provides. This is center core to who he is, and he's putting it on display for the people of Israel, even when they don't see it. And I don't know if you're like me, but when I read a text like this, I just think, man, I am a grumbler. God, this is me. And when I look at it, I am bitter. I am cynical. I get defiant. I wouldn't be different than the people of Israel. I would be right there with them. God, I I just want to stop. It's not right that you take the judgment for me. I just want it to end. So I want to preach a sermon as I read this text, the three dangers of grumbling and how to stop. You get there? You just want to stop? The problem is when I read the text, there is no answer on how to stop. There is no, Israel sees miracle after miracle. God moved time and again and day after day, they grumble and that's who I am. There's nothing in me that can stop that. I need something outside of me. I need something that will satisfy my soul because I can't satisfy it on my own. In every one of these stories, God proves his character as a provider, and he points to a future ultimate provision. Amen? Yes. He says, Moses, I can heal bitter water, and I can heal bitter people. Take the tree and throw it in. That will heal the bitter water. And the promise that he makes to heal bitter people is is granted on another tree because the Bible calls across a tree over and over again. And Jesus went to that tree and he hung there so that hungry, thirsty, bitter people could be made sweet. They could be made well. They could be provided for on that tree. Jesus is the better tree. And not only is he the better tree, he's the better bread. Let me read for you what he said about himself in the book of John. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. God rained down manna from heaven, but he did something better for us. He sent his son from heaven who died and gave his flesh for the life of the world. See, the manna, uh, it, it met the needs of the hungry physically. But Jesus meets the needs of the spiritually hungry. He is the better bread from heaven. And so he's the better tree. He's the better bread. And he is the better rock that was struck for us. Amen. Paul wrote to his, the apostle Paul, the church planting missionary, he wrote to his church For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers, the nation of Israel, they were all under the cloud, that pillar of cloud that shaded them from the sun, and all passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, the manna, and all drank the same spiritual drink, the bitter water made sweet. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Very clearly, Jesus is the better rock. When he hung on the cross and gave his flesh for us, God's staff of judgment fell on him. And when it fell on him, the blood that flowed was like living water to dead souls who were crying out, God, I'm thirsty and I can't find water to drink on my own. I can't get there. I don't know where to find it. God, I'm bitter and I'm grumbling. I need something. And God struck his son and gave us living water. This is good news. The God who provided for the people of Israel in Exodus is the same God who provides in the same way for us. And so I wonder as I preach this sermon, I just think, you know, uh, when, I, when I look out at the City like family of churches, what message do we take away? What, what, what's God have for us here? Because honestly, I don't hear a lot of grumbling. In my congregation, in this congregation, I hear people encouraging each other and praying for each other. I hear people telling stories to each other about what God has done and so I say, in light of that, what message do we have? What message does God have for us today? And here's here's where I landed. It was three short days after Israel stepped through the dry seabed that they started grumbling. Three days of thirst, three days of challenge, three days of suffering, and they abandoned God, and it was a fast descent from there. I want to say, City Light, we get to rejoice that churches are being planted and people are getting baptized, but none of that will satisfy your soul. I want to pray that we would be a people that turn to our God, that turn to Jesus as our daily bread because what he's done in the past, we get to glorify him for, but in this moment, things can get tough. In this moment, we can hunger and we can thirst. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the only one that satisfies. Will you guys pray with me? Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for being a good provider, God. God, thank you that uh, Exodus is full of of your character, of you being put on display to a world that so desperately needs you. God, I just wanna confess, we can be grumblers. Uh, We can get bitter and cynical and defiant, And God, even when we're not grumblers, um, we're quick to forget. And so God, would you make us a people that find our satisfaction only in you, a people that trust in you to provide every single day. We love you. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.